Did you know that all the SeaWorld parks grouped together actually have one of the largest animal collections on the North American continent? They have approximately 67,000 animals. Overall, you would think a company that has so many animals would learn to take care of them properly, wouldn't you? Welcome to Cryptic Soup. Well, let's get started with this episode. Tragedy at SeaWorld. It happened without warning. A killer whale grabbed a trainer who'd always dreamed of working with orcas and pulled her underwater. CBS News correspondent Kelly Cobiella is in Orlando this morning with the latest. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, Maggie. This is the third time this killer whale has been involved in the death of a person over the past 20 years. In this case, it was a seasoned trainer who had worked at this park for 16 years and knew the animal well. Hey guys, welcome to Cryptic Soup. <laughs> I just sound like a hick because it's me. It's welcome. Welcome. It sounds like I'm saying whale come. Right. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, what's up? Welcome back. It's <laughs> Thena. And I'm Kylie. And we are here for a very important episode we're kind of really passionate about this one so y'all thought you heard my opinions about nirvana yeah strap the fuck in (laughs) we got a lot more opinions tonight but before we start since this episode does take place mostly in orlando kylie did you fucking see on the news that kid in orlando that died on the the ride no okay i have not figured out all the information so i'm not gonna say that i'm like an expert on this Someday I will have more information and I will update everyone. We'll do a whole cryptic 411 about it, maybe. But he was going up in one of those rides where you like go to the top. Does that make sense? You like are in a seat and then it goes high and then it drops and it scares you. Kind of like a Tower of Terror type thing, but not because you're sitting down. Tower of Terror scares the You're sitting down in Tower of Terror. Okay, you know what I mean, though. Okay. So he he fell out of the ride, though, and he fell and plummeted to his death. He died. Wait, is it like the ones that like literally just go up and down? Or yes. is this? Oh, yeah, it went up and he came down. Yikes. Yes. So we'll we'll find out more information, guys. But if you want to hear about something wild that happened in the news, it was they posted the videos like onlookers mm. did not realizing kind of. Mm-hmm. And the family and everyone was like, you have to take those down. Like he was young, too. I want he was okay. under 18. So it's a big deal. That's what's happening right now, guys. There's a lot of other stuff happening. We want to do a cryptic 411 soon, maybe. Just update you guys on some shenanigans that are happening in the um, world. God, could you imagine being on the on the ride with the dude like next to him? Oh, no, my stomach would just drop. I would have to just stay up there. Like I would not I would not want to come down. I don't think I would be able to ride the ride down. I would lose my cool. Well, they wouldn't obviously like make you like drop. They would probably... You know, everyone is probably. Well, yes, but. I'm just saying. <laughs> I would I would be terrified to ride that ride for future rides. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Anyways, <clears throat> that's just, that's in Orlando. So it's crazy because we're talking about Orlando tonight. Because we're talking about Orlando, Florida. Mm-hmm. And there's a theme park there that we're going to talk about. Is there? What is it? What is it? Well, actually, in Orlando, Florida, they have a ton of attractions. Really? They have Disney World and Busch Gardens and Universal Studios and Epcot. And, uh. 
there's this other one. I, I, I can't think of the name. I feel like they got like fish or something in them. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think it's called like Ocean. Oh, is it Animal Ocean Kingdom? Planet? Oh, so, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's called SeaWorld. Oh, SeaWorld. Ah, uh, shit. SeaWorld, guys. <laughs> Kylie and Thena got on SeaWorld. So we're going to do an episode about SeaWorld night, guys. I told Kylie we were going to do Don Brancho. And then. You say her name very weird. Do I? It's Don Branshaw. Brancho. Moving on. <laughs> it's French. Branshaw is how they say it in Blackfish. I think it's Branshaw. Okay. Now I said shoe. <laughs> Branshaw. <laughs> Would you like me to do Branshaw for you? <laughs> wow, that's hard for my mouth to do. Branshaw. Just, just move on. It's fine. <laughs> we'll see. When, when I get down to it, we'll see how I pronounce it. Well, I told her I would do that. And then I was like, well, if I tell you guys that, I might as well tell you about this thing. Well, if I tell you about that thing, I might as well tell you about this. And then after writing about 15 pages and only two of them being about Dawn, I realized this episode is not about Dawn. It's about how much I hate SeaWorld. So you uh, hate SeaWorld? Oh, I hate SeaWorld. I'm passionate. All right. Before we start the episode, I guess let's give our little opinions here. I hate SeaWorld. Kylie, do you like or hate SeaWorld? I do not like SeaWorld. Do not like. Okay, let's see if I can turn that into a hate. You ready to start the episode? Yep, I'm ready. SeaWorld was a huge craze in the 90s. SeaWorld was booming. It was a big vacation spot for many families ever since it opened. At SeaWorld Orlando, you can swim with dolphins. You can see killer whale shows with tricks and trainers. It's featured in the Shamu Stadium. You can convince your annoying little brother to sit in Splash Zone and not tell him what it does. There's a sea lion show area. You can pet a penguin. You can take time to ride roller coasters. They actually have three roller coasters at SeaWorld Orlando. They have the Mako, which is named after the world's fastest shark. They have the Kraken. We all know what that is. And then they have the Manta. Manta rays, duh. I have ridden all of those virtually because Kylie doesn't ride roller coasters in real life. (laughs) I'm too scared. I hate that sentence. (laughs) I'll be honest. I'm not too scared. I just, I can't, like, I don't feel well after. I just, it's not, it's not for me. But I do virtually write them because it's kind of fun. And um, Manta's fucking ridiculous. But, and so is the Kraken. <laughs> okay. The Mako, Mako, Mako. Mako. It was not done when I was oh. there. So I never really, I never. When I think of Mako, I think of one. uh that one Yu-Gi-Oh trainer. I'm not going to help I think you his here. name was Mako. <laughs> I think that's okay. why I'm thinking of it. But he had blue hair and he had I a I wonder why that makes you think of him. <laughs> it might not be his name, but I think it is. And someone out there is like, hmm, maybe it is pronounced Mako because I feel like his name is Mako. Is it Mako or Mako? I think it's Mako. I think his name was Mako, though. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> so SeaWorld is a water wonderland. It's an all-out theme park. It has roller coasters, restaurants, animal shows, more. This sounds like the coolest fucking place, right? Well, there's a big downside, and SeaWorld has a dark history that involves death, the poor treatment of animals, and a greedy, money-hungry company that cares more about paychecks than animal safety. Wow, you just kind of went there, didn't you? I just wanted to tell you how it is. (laughs) I uh, didn't want to uh, sugarcoat it here for you. These are facts, (laughs) not opinions. No, no opinions in this episode. No, no. There's no Courtney Love here for me to give opinions on. (laughs) In 2013, a documentary came out called Blackfish. Many people know what it is. It exposed a lot of the controversy 
and issues surrounding SeaWorld. I got yelled at on TikTok one time. <laughs> Side note. <laughs> I didn't mean to pronounce it, but I said con- controversial instead of controversial. And this You have said controversial in this <laughs> podcast. Do I? I don't mean to say that. I don't know why I say that. And I get yelled at on TikTok anytime I say controversial. Is it because you think it's controversy? But then nope, you it just sounds better. I don't like the shh. I think the people in England <laughs> say controversial. Oh, uh, maybe I'm English. Maybe. Okay. Secretly. So there was a lot of controversy and issues surrounding SeaWorld after Blackfish came out, but sadly, it didn't actually make the hugest difference in the park's attendance as of recently. So after the documentary about SeaWorld, the visitor attendance did go down the like year it happened and things like that, but only for a short time. In 2019, SeaWorld still had 22,624 visitors just at the Orlando Park, which is a lot of people if you think of how much money they're spending. Well, and everything is so fucking expensive there. So expensive. <laughs> and that's actually the highest amount of people they've had since the documentary was released. COVID-19 did greatly affect the numbers of the park, and it did shut down the park for a little bit. But nowadays it's open again, and it still brings in a lot of visitors. The worst part about this is in 2021, SeaWorld Parks welcomed 15.2 million guests to their 12 theme parks over the world, and it's the new record high for this quarter. It's also one of the highest for any amusement parks. For any? Yeah. It's not the highest. Like, it's in the top three or four. I cannot remember for a fact, but. That's still impressive. So during today's episode, you guys already know what we're talking about, but I kind of want to summarize it. I want to talk about how SeaWorld got started, what the original plans for the company were, because like I said, it did sound like a really amazing company. But then we want to talk about how different deaths and things affected SeaWorld and everything else. And lastly, we're going to talk about Dawn B-Word. That makes it sound like a biatch. Yeah. Branchow. Branchaw. 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 You think it's Branchu? Brancho. <laughs> we'll never know. Well, we we do. In the documentary, you said it says it one way. I've watched it like nine times. I don't know why I can't get it right. I'm I have sorry. to go watch it now after this. And Maybe like, I just really am saying it wrong. I'm really sorry. Of all people, she is someone I genuinely respect in life. So if I'm saying her name wrong, I feel bad. But also, I kind of have an accent, if you guys haven't noticed. <laughs> it pops out randomly. It does. I don't know what <laughs> happened and where it came from. Where did it go? But it's kind of like Cotton Eye Joe. So it's here. It's going to stay. So we will talk about the trainer and death, the sound of the nation, Dawn. But... Funny enough, I know I want to talk smack about SeaWorld, but I have to talk about a whole nother company before we can even talk about SeaWorld. We're going to start by giving you the full story of how SeaWorld came to be, because before SeaWorld, there's an aquarium called Sealand of the Pacific. I'm going to call it Sealand for short, because that's kind of how it's like just referred to. But if you try and Google Sealand, there's a country called Sealand and you're not going to find a lot of information (laughs) about Sealand. And like if you try to find documentaries and stuff, you have to call it Sealand of the Pacific on the Internet. But if people talk about it, they always just call it Sealand. Kind of funny how that goes about. At first, I was really confused when I started learning (laughs) about Sealand. Because I was like, how many people on average go to Sealand a year? And they're like, well, it depends on what part of Sealand you're visiting. And they were showing me like flights to Sealand. And I was really confused. So Sealand is near the Oak Bay Marina in the city of Victoria in the British Columbia of Canada. And that's where Sealand of the Pacific is. Okay, it was originated by Dr. Murray Newman, who was the founder. 
and he uh, decided to make it a place that held a lot of orcas there, including I'm going to pronounce these how I think they should be pronounced. It's probably incorrect, but I'm going to I'm going to wing it. Heda, Nutka, Chemo, Miracle and many others. I'm pretty sure it's Chemo, but that's. That would be my OK. Opinion. Chemo, we'll go with that. I mean, I don't think it's cancer, a cancer drug. <laughs> no, but it it was named after something, and that's why it reminded me of chemo, but I can't remember what, because it was like a shortened for something. Oh, okay. But it, it might be chemo, and that sounds better, so let's let's go for it. <laughs> Is Hada Hada? Do you Hada. think that's right? Yeah. Okay, let's keep going. Now, people will interchange the names. They'll call them whales, orcas, or killer whales. And I'm also going to do that throughout this episode. I didn't even mean to. I just go with whatever sounds best in my head. But people always wonder why they call them killer whales if they're not aggressive. Well, people began calling orcas killer whales because ancient Spanish sailors observed the pods and families of orcas attacking other larger whale species. It was more for asserting dominance rather than a food source. But because of that, they became known as killer whales. Most people know what killer whales are because they're large bodies with the black and the little white spots. They're kind of like a cow that got thrown in the ocean, but way cuter. (laughs) (laughs) What? They are. That's so funny. Aren't they, though? They're kind of like little water cows. They're way cuter. (laughs) I obviously didn't have that written, so Kylie didn't know I was going to say that. (laughs) So it took her by a very bold moment. By the way, keep this in mind. While you're listening to this episode, Kylie's favorite animal is the orca whale. And keep in mind, both Kylie and Thena wanted to be marine biologists when they were young. (laughs) They both went to SeaWorld and thought, like, I want to be a marine biologist when I grow up. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, we wanted Dawn's life. Whoa. I wanted Dawn's life. I wanted Dawn's life until I knew what happened to Dawn's life. And then Mm -hmm. I wanted to be an advocate for Dawn's life. Yes. So this is a super big deal to us. Yes. So not all orcas do feed on other whales. Their species actually is very diverse and they have a lot of different cultures, languages, and like species within their pods and stuff. Orcas have localized the populations and the ecosystems. And so they differ in appearance, diet, and behavior. There are over 10 different types of ecotypes spread throughout the world's oceans. But for this episode, I just wanted to kind of clear all this up and let you know why. Sometimes I'll call them whales. Sometimes I'll call them orcas. Sometimes I'll call them killer whales. They're all the big giant cow waters. Water cows. Sorry. (laughs) Cow waters. Water cows. (laughs) Mm -hmm. My water cows. That's my next tattoo. (laughs) Be nice to the water cow. Oh, my gosh. Stop. So Sealand of the Pacific first opened their doors in 1969, and they only had one whale. Its name was Haida. Haida had been captured in 1968, and by 1970, they made the choice to breed Haida. They wanted to get him a mate. Haida's a man. On March 1st of the- He's a man? Well, I didn't mean to say that so aggressively right there. It's just Haida, like- He's a male. You can't He's not a man. Men are humans. Oh, well, I guess. I guess, yeah. Okay. (laughs) I mean, he could be- No. (laughs) This is not going to happen for you. (laughs) Does men strictly mean human? Yes. Holy shit, it does. I don't think I ever put that together (laughs) in my head. (laughs) He's a man. (laughs) Why is that so funny? I don't know. 
like this is a really sad episode you guys kylie and i are just like trying to get all the giggles out in the beginning (sighs) sorry Mm, wow okay so male he's a male (laughs) he's a male on march 1st the company captured a pod of whales and this led to chimo and nuka joining the sea land company Nuka ended up throughout her life being sold multiple times and moved through a lot of aquariums and theme parks before she ended up dying in California. But Nuka did end up in SeaWorld San Diego, and she spent four years there being a show whale till she passed away on March 13th, 1990. Nuka was not presented to be Hada's mate. Keep that in mind. Wait, what? Hold on, say it again. Nuka and Hada were not mates. They never... They never mated. They were not mates together. Okay. So just kind of keep that in mind. She ended up being sold and stuff before they decided to mate Hada because they already were trying to mate Hada with someone else. They were trying to mate Hada with Chimo. So Chimo was only at Sealand for two years where she ended up passing away in 1972. Chimo was well known because she was the albino whale. Sounds really pretty, right? It wasn't because she was not albino. She actually had something called Chideka Higashi syndrome, which makes her very susceptible to illnesses, because with Chideka Hadashi Higashi syndrome, called CHS for short, because I'm butchering the name. I'm pretty sure it's Chadiac. That sounds cool, too. <laughs> it's a rare immune disorder that's often characterized by reduced pigment in the skin and eyes, immune deficiency, and an increased susceptibility to infections and tendency to brood and Oh, my God. (laughs) What? (laughs) And a tendency to bruise and bleed easily. So the fact that she was becoming paler and paler was because she was stressed and hated living in confinement. And so it was making her her sicker and yeah, like her body was rejecting the life. But they were like, oh, my God, she's so pretty and albino. But you would think since they have so many vets and vet techs on staff that they should figure this out. But they didn't. So this is part one of your like starting to see some stuff's a little shady. (laughs) Stuff. I was going to say it's shitty, but I was being nice still. So with the aquarium growing in size and popularity, they needed to add new and younger whales to keep up with shows. So they really needed to mate Hada. In 1973, Sealand captured Hada's newest mate, which was Nuka 2, in honor of the original Nuka. That's not a thing. Nuka the second? Nuka 2? Nuka 2. No, they literally called her Nuka 2. No, they did not. I'm telling you. In one of the interviews, the girl says Nuka 2, because there ends up being four of them. I just ruined it for you. Yeah, and they called him Nuka 3, Nuka 4. That's... I mean, like, I'm just saying. So it sounds It sounds humans to say Nuka the second, but I think that takes a long time to say when you're trying to train a whale. So they're just like, Nuka 2. Come here, Nuka 2. I'm just like, No. I would have like made it the full name. Nuka the second? No, Nuka two. Like putting a T O O at the end or something. Okay. Okay. So, anyways, the second Nuka, (laughs) I'll just redo the whole sentence. The second Nuka was actually um, only alive for another nine months. So, at this point, Hayda now had three failed attempts at finding a mate. When this happened, Hayda started slipping into a heavy depression while mourning each of his mates. So Hayda started getting really sad and he ended up being alone for the next five years due to this. I just want to hug him. He is a little bit big for a hug. Can I just hug him? It's been a while. 
Now, instead of realizing things might be slightly a bit of a problem at this point or that things weren't going well, the aquarium decided to continue having whale shows. Sounds like a great idea. It's their idea is always to push the, forward. It's the best idea. In 1977, Dr. Murray Newman, the founder, remember, he got a phone call about an injured baby whale in the Menzies Bay. He took a seaplane and ended up finding the baby killer whale suffering from a bullet wound. Sealand got permission from the Marine Wildlife Foundations in the area to rescue this whale and bring it back to health. This was the whale that was known as Miracle. Baby Miracle? She was Miracle to be alive. No. The original goal was to rehab Miracle, but due to her age and the heavy exposure to human attention and the unknown location of her family pod, the fisheries and oceans of Canada deemed her unable to be released. So she was therefore officially given to Sealand in 1978. They were the third resort, though. They originally asked the Ministry of Fisheries. They said they couldn't take her. They also asked the Vancouver Aquarium and they couldn't take her. So they're like, fine, Sealand, I guess you can fucking have it. Like, we don't want you to have, but I guess whatever. I would pay a lot of money to go to Vancouver Aquarium. Right? Ministries of Fisheries is the coolest <laughs> sentence. It's like Harry Potter. I, I knew that was coming. <laughs> I want to work for the Ministry of Fisheries so bad. Of course you do. Miracle became a popular attraction, although she was kept in a separate pen from Hada, but the two would often try and call out and talk to each other. But Miracle and Hada's size was a big difference of why they were kept separate. Miracle was still too young to try and mate, and Hada had been depressed that they thought he might just accidentally attack her or hurt her. Miracle had a devastating loss, though, because she did have a seal companion that was in her pen named Shadow, and Shadow had drowned in the netting and died. A seal companion? <laughs> she, she had a pup? Yeah, she essentially had, like, a pet puppy. Oh, my gosh. I cannot. Well, after Shadow had passed away, they think this could have been part of the factors that add up to that added up to becoming what killed Miracle because Miracle also drowned because she got caught in the double net system and she died. They ruled it as she killed herself, mm -hmm. but that it was like accidental drowning. Mm -hmm. Well, like orcas are very curious animals. Like, And she was trying smart. to get to potentially having another something to interact with, maybe not a mate, but some kind of companion. And Hada was the only thing which was going to be past this double netting in her mind. Right. Two of the Sealand divers named Larry McCurney and Alandra ah, Alexandra Morton said that in the documentary Who Killed Miracle that Miracle had learned that by damaging the nets, the divers would come in and she could play with the divers. But Miracle's play had become aggressive, and so it was a safety problem for the divers, preventing the proper maintenance of the pens. That's not an excuse. It's really not an excuse. Take the netting out of that one, then. Right. Like, There's another thing. You or can replace it. Or, yeah. I don't, I don't, there's things you can just get over it. Like, <laughs> there's things you can possibly do. This ended up bringing a lot of attention to Sealand, just like how Kylie is doing because people were protesting. So they were <laughs> protesting outside. the, And I say that very weird. Protesting. I was it you that I had this conversation with protest um, and protesting. I don't know. Protest and protesting just sound wrong every time I say them out loud. Because it was a D word. Defense and defense. That was us. Because I said the yes. D, the defense team one time and I was like, no, wait, it's not sports. And you're like, actually, I don't even like sports, but I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And we had people comment and reply to us on that. They're like, 
weirdly enough, right when you say defense and defense, I know what you're saying because, like, I know which one means which. One sports and one's law. Yeah, yeah. So protest and protesting, it just yeah. Well, so sorry guys, (laughs) we're we're on a lot of tangents tonight because we have a Kylie and I haven't talked in a few days. Okay, (laughs) all we've done is play tune down. So people started protesting and the aquarium was getting a lot of pressure put on it for anti-captivity rules. Sealand agreed to release Haida, but sadly, when they were agreed to release Haida, the animal actually died a few days before its scheduled release in October of 1982. There was said to be no foul play, but there was a secret. The secret was that after they released Haida, they were going to actually just bring in new whales. It wasn't anti-captivity they were doing. They were just like, he's old. Fine, we'll get rid of him. He can't mate anyways. We'll just get new ones. This outraged the public when they found out the real plan, and they now just wanted the captivity to end. Sealand ignored the protests and instead captured and obtained three new whales <laughs> named Nooka 4, Heda 2, and Tilikum in 1983 over in the northern Atlantic area. I can't. I can't with those names. I cannot. <laughs> Can you be a little bit more creative? These whales are fucking gorgeous. Give them, give them beautiful names. Name one Oreo. Jesus. <laughs> At least. <laughs> like, even that's the worst name ever. But name, I would name it Moo. Because it so looks like cute. an underwater cow. <laughs> Little Moo Moo. Oh, okay. <laughs> what would you name your orca? Hmm. I'd probably look up the Japanese, like meaning of orca and figure it out from there or something Hmm. okay okay now i'm kind of curious i'll look it up while kylie's uh googling over there the three new orcas were put in a tank together there was an issue with this though because tilikum was the only male this caused a lot of issues in the pen with nuka four and Haida too because they were bullying tilikum and they were attacking him all the time i want to explain how they attacked him though so that you kind of understand but before I do, Kylie has some information for you. I'm pretty sure it's Chachi, which is fucking cute. That is a cute name for it's a whale. S H A C H I. Okay. Chachi. I love it. Shashi? It's probably that. But I oh. like the American version. <laughs> and by American version, I mean how I would <laughs> just read it. I don't know if he listens, Chachi. but I'm going to be honest. The moment I just said that, you know who I felt like? Colin. it sounded like a colin moment colin here's your shout out here's your moment you gotta listen now (laughs) colin's a friend guys sorry yeah we actually know a colin (laughs) the colin we're talking about it's it's not the colin (laughs) it's not a oh i was gonna make a joke never mind he was actually one of our news anchor people in Lake lake lanier which is uh, an episode that you can listen to. It's it's it, we we covered it in the past. It's in our archives. Go look for it. I don't know if you guys have ever heard me promote an episode in the past, but no, I got never. you. <laughs> we'll go back to how they were attacking him. Sorry, guys. Tilikum was a large whale initially because even when he was captured, he was only two years old, but he was already 11 and a half feet long. At four years old, he was 16 feet long and he weighed about 4000 pounds. The trainers at Sealand said he was a favorite, though, because he was very well behaved and he was always eager to please. 
But when Tillicum first got there, the first trainer that actually worked with him would often use punishment as a way to train him. They would pair Tillicum up with who was a still learning new orca there with a fully trained orca. And they would tell both whales to go out and do the exact same routine. The issue was if Tillicum didn't do the, the routine right, both animals would be punished. This led to both animals being punished very often. They would often be trained by being deprived of food. And this would upset the trained orcas that were getting punished for Tillicum's mistakes. And they were mad that they were being paired with Tillicum. So they would bully him and rake him. The other whales often raked Tillicum. Raking is a term which means the animals would drag their teeth along the skin of the other animal. Raking is a way of showing dominance. It can also be communication in the wild, kind of more like playful. But it was noted by trainers that they were raking Tillicum so aggressively and so often that there were times Tillicum would be covered head to tail in rakes across his entire body where you could physically see blood and marks. Most of the time, or not most time, most of the raking that was done at this time was scars that would follow Tillicum his entire life. He had scars up until the day he passed away from these first interactions, even, at Sealand. If this wasn't bad enough, where the whales were being stored was also just awful and cruel. When they were not performing, they would be stored in an area called the module. The module was only 20 feet across and 30 feet deep, and it had no lights. Essentially, it was like living in a dark tomb-like area with no stimulation, sometimes after being starved for not performing correctly, after being frustrated with each other, and just the only time being let loose to interact is when you're getting in trouble, getting raked by another whale, or if you have to mate. I'm so mad already. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to see world and she's mad. I know. This, this, this part really just did upset me in it's just so mean what they did to these animals without even caring how is this okay how is it legal at all so there was issues as the animals grew because they were getting too big to fit in the modules so they used it as a training technique instead of building a bigger module instead so that they could train these whales to go in this confined space that they didn't want to go in they would just deprive the animal of food all day. And then when they wanted them to go in the module, that's where they would feed them. So it would train them. You can only eat if you go in this like confined tomb. All this harsh, harsh treatment and inhumane circumstances did come at a price eventually. On February 20th in 1991, an incident happened that rocked Sealand to the core. Kelty Byrne, a 21-year-old marine biology student, a championship swimmer, and a part-time orca trainer at Sealand was killed. The story that went public was that Kelty slipped and fell into the whale pool after a show and Tillicum, Nuka 4, and Haida 2 dragged and repeatedly submerged her until she drowned. The other trainers did attempt to rescue Kelty, but were unsuccessful. What a terrifying way. That's not even the worst one, I think. Ugh. So Kelt, the firsthand account said that Kelty was walking and her boots were slightly too big for her and she tripped over her rubber boots and her feet dipped into the edge of the pool when she lost her balance. When she started to use her arms to try to push her body up to get out of the pool, she, she like got her arms in position, but before she could actually push up, one of the whales swam over and grabbed her boot and pulled her back into the water. The whales started thrashing around and Kelty began panicking and screaming. The whales kept submerging her and bringing her back up for seconds. Kelty was struggling to get air because every time she was above water, instead of trying to breathe, she was so panicked she was just screaming. So there was no way for her to get an intake of air because it was being submerged, 
belting out, being submerged, belting out. One person that was there that day recalls Kelty screaming out, I don't want to die before being submerged the last time. Hmm. After Kelty was killed, there were no memorials, no lawsuits, and nothing happened. This was because the death was ruled an accidental drowning. The bigger issue was that no one even interviewed anyone that was there that day or any of the eyewitnesses or the trainers that were next to Kelty. None of them. Until like five years later. So no one figured out which whale pushed her in or I guess pushed, pulled her in. And instead they all shared blame. So they were like, oh, the three whales didn't know what they were doing because they all three did it. Because they're depriving them of food and making them killers. Yes. Right. The, like I said, though, they waited like five years, you know? Well, when they finally did find out years later, every single witness told the exact same story. Tillicum clearly pulled Kelty into the water and instigated the entire event. Now, everyone knew who Tillicum was because Tillicum has a collapsed dorsal fin and the other two did not. So you could tell Tillicum apart within seconds. Were the other two paired together in the module and Tillicum was by himself? How it's explained, yes, but I'm not entirely sure. Because they show in the video that there are three to four modules But one of them in the videos you can see is empty. So I know Mm -hmm. one doesn't even have water in it, but then you can't see the other ones. So I can't say if the two females were kept separate or kept together. But when Chimo and them were there, when they did have three separate whales, they kept all three separated. Like there's a Mm -hmm. some something you can see where someone was like uh, taking a picture and you can see all the modules. Also, the modules are just like a net outside. In the water. It's like scary. Yeah. This incident ended up causing Sealand to be a huge controversy topic now because now everyone knew about Sealand. It resulted in the company closing its doors on November in 1992. This was not very long after everything happened with Kelty. Sealand ended up selling most of their marine life and SeaWorld wanted to buy three of their orcas. And it was the same three that were involved in Kelty's accident. The biggest reason they wanted the whales was because they needed Tillicum for breeding purposes. So Tillicum and Nooka 4 went to SeaWorld Orlando. And Hada 2, plus her newborn baby, Kyoko. Yeah, I think so. Kyoko, who is the offspring of Tillicum and Haiti 2, went to SeaWorld San Antonio. So Hada 2 and Kyoko went to San Antonio. Tillicum and Nooka 4 went to SeaWorld Orlando. Let's get into SeaWorld then. Many small time make big time. And what are you going to do with all this time? SeaWorld. Kevin, you can't possibly save enough time to see the world. Kevin, are you saying see the world or SeaWorld? SeaWorld. Oceans, fish, jump, China. No, see, right there, that's the problem with your method, because I still don't know if you're saying SeaWorld or see the world, and it's taken a lot of time to explain it. So SeaWorld has many locations across the world, but the most famous location is the Orlando location, which is in the United States. SeaWorld was originally founded in 1964 by a group of men named Milton C. Shedd, Ken Norris, David DeMont, and George Millay. Is the Orlando one the one that you went to also? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Same. Well, I actually went to that one, and I think we did go to the Aurora one, but I would have been really young. But like, I'm pretty sure 
because I know there's pictures of my siblings there. And if my siblings were there, I assume I was I was there. But who knows? <laughs> now, these four guys were all graduates of the UCLA programs where they built a business model together. And it was a new concept that they thought could be original and super informative. They wanted to create an underwater restaurant with underwater marine life shows to educate and inspire people. See, that would have been a good idea. That was great. Like, you guys <laughs> should have went for it. But the issue was within the first few weeks, while trying to get permits and plan about how to go with, like, construction, and just trying to understand how the plan would work, they realized it just wasn't feasible. It wasn't going to be easy, but it wasn't even feasible at that point. Why? I don't know, because you have to take a submarine to get there and... No. Something. I mean, like, how do you go underwater when you're at in an aquarium? Like, it's, oh, OK. It's just a ma- it has to be like a massive building. That too. Well, I don't know. Maybe because it's the dangers of it. I don't know. Aqu- aquariums are. So, so here's my theory. I'm sorry if this doesn't make sense. I'm going to try to. Aquariums are a building, right? They're a building. And then there's water in the building with the sea life in the building. Mm-hmm. They wanted this to be an ocean restaurant. So I think they were trying to think of it as we're building this restaurant in the ocean with free wildlife so that you can just learn. No, it would have just had to have been like that's how I think it is. Okay. so I think that's why they thought it was impossible, because I think they were trying to avoid captivity is is, that's just what I think based on what I've heard about their business plan. Mm, Okay. So within the first few weeks, like I said, they decided it wasn't going to work. So instead, their next idea, let's do a theme park with educational events. They wanted to have a care for and specialty area that displays killer whales and dolphins. Again, if you guys would have actually done that, great concept. Right. But you didn't. No. SeaWorld San Diego ended up opening on March 24th. Nope. March 21st, 1964 with a limited amount of animals. Originally, the company had a few dolphins, some sea lions, and only six major attractions. The park had over 400,000 guests in the first 12 months, turning it into a major success, though. The next location that opened was in Aurora, Ohio, which is southeast of Cleveland, and that was in 1970. This introduced the first killer whale to the company. But since the Midwest climate is so different because it has intense winters, the park could only be open from May till September, and it ended up closing in the year 2000, and they had to transfer their animals to other SeaWorld locations. It just wasn't smart for them to be only open year-round because they're still having to take care of and feed the animals year-round, but not raking in that money. It was probably a lot more expensive, too, to keep the climate safe. For them. For the animals, because, yeah. yeah, we live in the Midwest. This is not whale weather, we can tell you guys. No. The next park to open was SeaWorld Orlando, the biggest, baddest boy yet. Since Disney World was thriving in this area around this time, they decided it would be a great visitor destination area, and the weather is super ideal there. So in 1973, Orlando opened up the SeaWorld doors. The company was sold off in 1976 to Harcourt Brace... Jovanovich and in 18 no Jovanovich okay (laughs) and in 1988 they decided that meant they should build another park as like a little like celebration so this time they went to SeaWorld San Antonio in Texas 
because again, better weather for the company. So the park could be open year round instead of only seasonally. In 1987, the company was being bidded against. So they the shareholders didn't want the company to be sold. So they started taking out massive loans and going really deep in debt. And they needed to find new attractions that would make them a lot of money. They ended up leaving SeaWorld with like this on and off issue of like, it's super in debt. No, it's making a lot of money. No, it's super in debt. No, it's in a lot of money. It needs to be owned. No, it's being sold. No, the shareholders owner. No, there's an owner. And it's this like super messy argument from like literally 1985-ish to 2012. That's kind of a long time. But I don't want to get into all that because it's just a bunch of money, money bags fighting back and forth. And it gets really tedious to listen to. But that is part of the reason why they're so obsessed with money, I think, is because they've struggled so much back and forth that they're like, money is more important than the animals at this point. And I think that is a small factor into what happens. So I wanted to at least like bring Uh, up why they have issues. Yeah. Money is always the problem. The root of all evil. The company based its ideals on the fact that they thought they were going to be teaching people and enlightening them about animal and marine life. But it's all a facade and I will talk more about it. But I want to show you examples of how it's a lie instead of just like saying it's a lie and like giving my opinion. No, it's a clearly a lie. (laughs) So first, let's talk about how did they capture the animals, specifically the whales. In the documentary Blackfish, there's a firsthand account of people that worked for the companies and people that would capture the whales. One of the people talks about his experience in 1970 while capturing in Washington near Puget Sound. (laughs) It sounds my favorite place. I know it is. And I was really afraid I would say it wrong again because I said it wrong in the past episode. Remember? What did you say? Puget Sound. Yeah. Nope. That's not it. Mm -mm. While capturing near Puget Sound. So it's a really long quote, but I'm going to have Kylie read it. And this is someone that actually worked for SeaWorld as a whale capture. They had aircraft. They had spotters. They had speedboats. They had bombs. They were throwing in the water. They were lightning, lighting, they were lighting their bombs with acetylene. Acetylene? What is that? It's a type of torch that you can just go. Oh, okay. Kind of like Molokov. Yeah. Okay, sure. Acetylene torches and their boats and throwing them as fast as they could to herd the whales into coves. But the orcas had been caught before and they knew what was going on. And they knew their young ones would be taken from them. So the adults, without young, went east into a cul-de-sac, and the boats followed them, thinking they were all going that way, while the mothers with babies went north. But the capture teams had aircraft, and they have to, and they have to come up for air eventually. And when they did, the capture teams alerted the boats and said, "Oh no, they're going north, the ones with babies." So the boats, the speed boats, caught them there and herded them in, and then they had fishing boats with seen. Okay. With sea nets that they would stretch across so n- so none could leave and then they could just pick out the young ones. <laughs> I like that the only thing I've ever brought to the table spelling like s- sentence reading correctly is acetylene torches. And scene nets. Well, yeah, but acetylene torches because we use them at work. <laughs> I'm... <laughs> That's the only reason I knew that one for once. I'm so upset. Like, were they not... 
thinking that they were evil evil humans at okay this point. no no that kylie that's not even the bad one just well i mean that's bad but wait it gets worse it gets worse Oh, I know. <laughs> so they said they only wanted the littler ones because these are huge animals and they needed the smallest they could get because that would help with the shipping costs. Because money. Yes. Because fuck you. Um, well, okay. not, <laughs> not me, them, but yes. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> now, when I say smaller, just keep in mind, they're still like fucking huge ass animals like Telecom. Like I said, he was like 4,000 fucking pounds. Right. So while they were ushering the babies into the nets, they would like take this thing that kind of looks like what you use with rabid dogs if you know what i'm talking about if not it's essentially a pole with a loop on the end of it and you can move the size of the loop so they would put the loop around the head of the the older orcas and they would just kind of like usher them out of the net and keep the baby in the net well this was obviously upsetting the parents and the rest of the orca family so they were trying super hard to get back through the netting to get the babies back and they would be communicating and calling out to try to figure that out how to get the babies back into the herd this is so heart-wrenching it is and i'm talking faster because i'm like getting stressed that i'm gonna cry yes so i'm really (laughs) sorry guys about my like voice in this episode because i'm gonna speed up and slow down it's because i'm getting emotional so meanwhile while the divers were collecting the young to be ripped apart from their family some of them were like yeah, like that's when it started hitting me when I could hear them calling out and seeing it. Yes. But like, what am I what am I fucking going to do? I'm on a boat. I'm already paid. I have to keep doing this. What are they didn't know what to do? Do the right thing. <laughs> Damn it. So there's another part of this that's really awful and sad. Like I said, that wasn't the worst part. And I really wished I didn't have to talk about this part, but it's really important. So you understand Not only the value that they don't deem these animals lives worth, but when I say that they didn't just care about money, they also cared about making sure their reputation stays untarnished. So when the hunt to get the new orcas were over, they realized there was some death. Three orcas ended up dying in the netting. And since it crossed a boundary of becoming illegal, the company decided instead of like talking about it, they would just cover it up. They didn't want to report it. Because they're like. I mean. Illegally capturing the whales. Right. Yes. So instead of reporting it, they had three of the work divers cut the whales open, fill them with rocks, put anchors on their tails and sink them. Now, as this information got out, there was a court order in 1976 and it banned SeaWorld from coming to Washington to capture whales. Because if you know about whale migration, they have to pass through Washington and it was the easiest place for them to go and get them to keep those shipping costs down. So since they were told they couldn't be in Washington anymore, they instead picked Iceland um, where they could do it and get less people to notice them. They picked what? Iceland. There you go. (laughs) I say Iceland. I'm very enunciable. I do it for Greenland too. Greenland. I just want to make sure I don't fuck it up. So like I always but say you're it fucking it up. <laughs> <laughs> so I try to enunciate it so that the next time I say it, it's not like Island or something. Because I every time I fuck up, the more I say it. So I'm trying to like catch myself before I do okay, it. But it's Iceland. <laughs> Iceland. Iceland. Two separate words with a space in between. I've Iceland. decided. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and since they knew that the whales would be over in Iceland, they wanted to now use that as the area because they thought they could get away with it 
The divers that were working during this time also said that this was the worst experience of their life, knowing everything they know now. And that they said while doing it, the whole thing would just like dawn on them at moments and it would break their heart. But they weren't even aware of how bad this whole event was until it was like done. Until they were back home. Yeah. And when you see them give interviews, you can tell it really did rock to them in their core and stuff. And some of them were like, it it changed me who I am as a person, like in a bad way. Yeah. Jumping back to 1992, the company had these three whales, right? They bought them. They were sending them mostly to the Orlando location, but to SeaWorld in general. SeaWorld was super excited about adding these new additions to their showcase. So I said that SeaWorld bought Tilikum for the purpose of breeding him. Well, when SeaWorld bought these orcas from Sealand, they specifically said, these orcas are for breeding only, and we never have any intentions of doing events or shows with them. So Sealand was like, okay, good. Um, yeah, don't let them perform. Like, don't do that. Whatever you do. I wonder why. And at first, everyone was just astounded with Tilikum because of his size, because he's, he's fucking huge. Orcas in captivity don't get to their full grown size usually. But orca and killer whale males usually do grow to about 26 feet as a max. Like that's the biggest ones. Females are closer to 23 feet. But in captivity, they're smaller and it's usually due to poor diet and not enough space. But even in captivity, Tilikum was over 22 feet long and he weighed 12,000 pounds. This just, is also a little heavy. He's he's a big boy. <laughs> he's a big boy. This is also a big deal because on average, they made those modules only 25 feet and he was over 22 feet, you guys. So he took up the tanks. He was so large, it was hard for him to avoid other whales if he was in modules or tanks. So again, he was getting bullied and attacked because he takes up all the room. Off his fault. (laughs) He doesn't mean to be big. He's big boned. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Tilikum wasn't often allowed to socialize because they thought that that could protect him from being bullied. So just like, don't let him have any stimulation. Yeah, that's, uh, that's how that works. Yeah. They didn't realize that that could also have a negative effect. Right. So since he was only being used for breeding or the finale or for the for now. <laughs> or for the finale of the shows, because he did the big splash since he was so big. Tilikum was not being treated properly at all, and it was getting really apparent to the trainers. So the trainers kind of wanted to give him extra attention because they liked him. Remember, even at Sealand, everyone liked Tilikum. The trainers were trying to work with Tilikum and help him because he seemed really motivated. He was really food motivated, so it made him really easy to teach. When SeaWorld purchased the three whales from Sealand, there was a back and forth saying whether or not they knew these whales were involved in Kelty's death. but. Since Sealand didn't have... Okay, so since SeaWorld bought them for the purpose of breeding, Sealand didn't have to tell SeaWorld that they were not able to go, like, perform because they were involved in an incident. So SeaWorld... I'm using air quotes here. Didn't know that these whales were in that incident. But here's the thing, guys. SeaWorld trainers didn't know that. SeaWorld management and SeaWorld CEOs and everyone, they all knew. So the trainers who were working with these whales did not know. The trainers were told even at some points only the female whales were to blame and that Tilikum might not have even been in the tank that day. They didn't think Tilikum had anything to do with this event. But remember, eyewitnesses said it was only Tilikum. So 
we're already getting some like shit we don't know that telecom's a potentially aggressive yeah whale some shadiness going on so the managers knowing this were keeping a really close eye on telecom and they were yelling at the trainers when they saw them getting close to telecom even and this sketched out the trainers because they're like why should we be nervous around telecom if he had nothing to do with the incident right because there was like an exact incident where a trainer came forth and they were like I was out there and I like got really close to him. And one of the managers came running out and was screaming at me like, get away from that whale. Don't you get in that tank. Don't go near him. And I was like, why can't I go near him? Like, what the hell is is my my job? I'm around whales all the time. (laughs) Why is he this one special whale I can't be near? Right. So shortly after being there, there was an issue. Tillicum was caught on tape lunging out of the water at a trainer. And this was made by like a videographer what are they called photographer what's a video videographer videographer that sounds like a fake word it's not videographer well i thought it was videographer (laughs) Corey's gonna be really mad because Corey does this (laughs) so there was a videographer and he (laughs) was he was uh, videoing, not even filming. A filmatographer, filmato- filmographer, filmographer, filmographer doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> so there was a man that was filming. <laughs> That's fine. And he oh would God. like make the commercials and the training tapes. And he did all those things, right? Well, he was filming and he was just, I don't know if he was filming for a specific thing, but in one of the shots, he's the one that caught Tillicum lunging. So what ended up happening was he actually tried to edit the video and he tried to splice together two parts and just delete the small portion where Tillicum lunged. And he managed to successfully do it, except for the fact you could see just the slightest hint of like a skip. It almost looked like like the the track skipped or something. Mm -hmm. But this was, you know, the 90s. So people were kind of used to that. But the people at SeaWorld were afraid that someone would think too hard into that. And they made him erase this video and never let it see the light of public. Still this day, never been seen by anyone else. Really? Yeah, there's pictures of it, but there's oh, no, the okay. video itself is like gone. I thought at I least saw it in Blackfish. The, the edited part is in Blackfish. Oh. The unedited lunging part has never been seen. Okay. Again, is the thing. Well, can't you see like the trainer? Yeah. Like and running you, though? Yeah, like, you can see them away. move. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of just looks like there's like a little skip. Like maybe they would have fell or you can't tell maybe what would have like happened. Tripped over their own feet. But you know what happened, which makes it a little bit more ominous. Right. So this resulted in people wanting to take a second look at Telecom's files, specifically people that were working with him. This led the trainers and people to being no nope. This led the trainers and people to noticing that he had a note on his file stating. He lunges at trainers, has a history of aggressive behavior, and is not to be trusted around trainers. I wonder why. Well, the trainers weren't just being lied to about Tillicum and their safety. They were not being taught any correct, truthful information, which led to what they were teaching the public to be incorrect knowledge. But it specifically was incorrect on purpose. They were having trainers teach knowledge about the parks and about animals so that it would make the park look more positive and like a great place for the whales to live. For example, SeaWorld told the trainers to say that whales had a life expectancy of only 25 to 30 years in the wild because in captivity, their max lifespan was usually 25 or 30 years. 
But the truth is, we knew at this point, really, they live 70 to 80 years old and they have the life expectancy of humans. However, SeaWorld was saying, no, 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 that's not true. Now, the trainers would say this and they would also say, well, SeaWorld has its own vet staff and everything there. So this is the best care possible. And that's what helps with the life expectancy of these animals. And they just have the best lives. And that's what they had to say, because that was the only way to account for their short lives in captivity. So they had to lie to make the company look better. But they didn't even realize they were lying. They didn't know that this wasn't true. Another thing they were told to say is that 25% of males have men's. 25% of the men's. <laughs> have the men. <laughs> the men have a floppy or incorrect shaped dorsal fin. And that's why they explained why Tilikum had the collapsed dorsal fin. But the truth is only 1% of wild male, male orcas have it. They think it might have something to do with like depression and sadness, but it hasn't been yeah. fully linked. It's only like a technically an assumption at this point well they can't really like test it unless test they it because they're in the wild yes unless they bring animals in and depress them which it, you can't do that <laughs> right well SeaWorld does it all the time so apparently you can do it Ooh, got him <clears throat> burn do you need some salt water for that burn to put it out because <laughs> you guys hurt. have salt water for your fish get the joke okay they were told to also say that the whales are in pods and families in captivity, just like they are in the wild. They said this so that it gave people like a sense of clarity so that they weren't like, oh, well, like, don't the whales get lonely? And they're like, no, they're still in pods. Look, like you see Tilikum with these other two whales. Look, great. But you have to remember what I said at the beginning, that whales are super diverse and they are taking these whales from different parts of the world different parts of their lives, different stages. They have different languages, different personalities, different cultures. So this was resulting in a lot of the aggression issues between the whales that were thrown into artificial family pods because that is not a real, real whale family one bit. That's not how it's formed. So yeah, you're throwing three whales that all look alike in one area, but they might not even speak the same language. Like whales are just like humans in the sense that they have other languages, other diversities. And they weren't realizing this. Their thought was, well, whales is whales. Throw them in. That's so freaking cool, though. It's actually amazing. Like, that's well, so Well, that's how dolphins are, cool. too, though. That's so cool. It's so interesting. I freaking love whales. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Whale. That's cool. <laughs> the aggression between the whales in captivity was not just limited to Tilikum. There's a story from 1988 about a whale dying from this event. Kandu was a whale that ended up dying from massive blood loss. Kandu weighed about 4,600 pounds, and she wanted to assert dominance over a different whale named Corky. Corky weighed about 7,000 pounds. These weights sound really far apart for a uh, little under 5,000 and 7,000, but in the wild, that's not that crazy of two whale sizes to be like asserting dominance. So when Kandu does this, it's not that unusual in a sense. It's what happens that makes it unusual because they're in captivity. So it happened during a live show, but it wasn't in front of the audience. Technically, uh, this was the 4 p.m. show on a Monday and trainers saw the whales fighting in the holding pen behind the main pool halfway through the show, but they didn't stop the fight. Because what are you going to do? Like, you can't jump in between two whales like 
No. If it were two dogs, you might stand a chance, but two whales, you're not going to be able to. And they couldn't separate them because they were in the holding pen behind the main area. And there were other whales in the main area. So they just kind of had to, like, hope for the best. Let it take its course. Yeah. And during that time, the trainers reported seeing Kandu charge into Corky with her mouth open. Again, that would have been fine, except for what actually happened was Kandu ended up getting hurt. The impact fractured Kandu's upper jaw, causing fatal hemorrhaging of major arteries in the whale's nasal passage. Around this time, they were like, "Okay, Kandu and Corky can go out to the main area for the show. Well, Kandu ended up bleeding from her mouth nonstop while swimming around the tank, smearing her bloods on the side of bloods, (laughs) smearing her blood on the sides of the tank while there were people in the stadium watching this event. But they again played it off. They were like, oh, you know, she got a little hurt. She's fine. She just loves people so much. She wants to come out and swim for you guys. You know, like she'll be fine later. However, spectators didn't know this. Kandu was dying like a very slow, painful death. The SeaWorld veterinarian at the time, Jim McBain, said this about the incident. The altercation was initiated by Kandu. She was asserting her dominance by going after Corky with her mouth open. It's common behavior. For the survival of any species, the stronger animal has to rule. The death was an unexpected shock, but the altercation was not a rare event at all. It was normal behavior. So according to the vet, McBain, the fatal collision between the two whales only took about five seconds, but Kandu would have been lingering for 45 minutes before she actually died, just being in massive pain. Literally just bleeding out. Now, because fighting in the wild is normal, SeaWorld officials chalked this whole event up to a accidental whale death resulting from normal whale behavior. So they didn't have to they didn't have to change anything because nothing was wrong. This is normal behavior. It wasn't caused by too small of pens or aggressions by uh, artificial pods. There was no reason, obviously. So because of that, and it was normal, nothing needed changed. And this was just another example how the company saw a paycheck and not two animals that were obviously in not very good conditions. So obviously, at this point, you guys have heard a lot of our opinions and you guys are understanding why these companies just keep doing all these bad, shady things and why it's upsetting us. But the fact that they're covering up or telling other stories, it's saving their reputation. I compiled a bit of a timeline to try to make this a little bit easier to understand I didn't want to just go into the deaths. I also wanted to put a lot of the injuries and things so that you guys could see just how often it happens, whether it's fatal or not. So we're going to do kind of like we did with Skinwalker, where we run through a timeline and I give you a little sentence bio about each of the dates. Starting back in April 20th, 1971, a SeaWorld secretary who was a trainer in training, who was on one of her first few weeks, was riding the original Shamu for a publicity stunt, and she ended up suffering lacerations and puncture wounds when she's tossed into the water and seized by her legs. I say original Shamu because a lot of whales are named Shamu after the original Shamu. It's kind of just one of those things they, like, replace him time after time. Kind of like Milo and Otis during the making of that movie. There was, like, 20 Milos, and there was, like, 10 Otises because some of them passed away and things like that. So they just kept replacing the animals. I have no idea what that is. Uh, homeward, ba- homeward Bound? Homeward Journey Bound? Homeward, homeward bound, bound, right? Yeah. Yes, okay. Milo and Otis is not the same Milo and Otis, the whole movie. There's multiple Milos and multiple Otises. 
Otis's. <laughs> I didn't mean to say it so weird. Sorry. <laughs> In February 23rd, 1984, Kandu takes the trainer Joanne Hay and its mouth and it pinned her against a wall during a performance. Now, if the injuries weren't super severe, I kind of just glanced over them like that and I went on. I just wanted you guys to know that that one, obviously the person didn't die, but it did happen and it was obviously something that could have been avoided. And it's during a performance, so other people probably saw it. Correct. August 12th, 1984, two whales grabbed the legs of trainer Bud Crames and pinned him against a wall of a glass retaining wall. Crames suffered bruising. March 4th, 1987, trainer Jonathan Smith, 20 years old, gets roughed up by the killer whales Keanu and Kandu during a show. Smith was butted around the pool and he suffered a lacerated liver and bruised kidney. Those things hurt. I bet. (laughs) September 28th, 1987, one of the killer whales bites trainer Mark Mahuff on the hand. He was in a container with multiples, so that's why they say killer whale. They don't know which one it was. They just saw the injury happen. September 30th, 1987, Trainer Chris Barlow was working with a whale during a performance when another whale rammed into him. November 21st, 1987, trainer John Selleck, 26 years old, was seriously injured when a 12,000-pound killer whale fell on him. Uh, Another whale landed on him during a show. He suffered a fractured pelvis, a a fractured femur, and fractured ribs. The trainer was performing in the pool with two whales when the accident occurred. Essentially, I'm going to try to explain it to you. He was sitting atop the whale like a horse and riding it. And the other whale decided to jump over them for like an event. But then halfway through the jump, he decided he did not want to necessarily do the jump. And he kind of just like fell on John, who was on this other whale. So his body was squished between the two whales. Now, Mm. they say the only thing that kept his body from essentially... um, not even just crunching but like exploding into pieces is his wetsuit like being so tight kept him together now this event ended up being blamed on john instead of the the whales but the trainer actually did everything right and the other whale jumping and ended up hitting him and crushing him was what went wrong in july 6 1999 daniel dukes was found dead at SeaWorld. I say that was found dead at SeaWorld. He did not work at SeaWorld, people. He was just a person that liked whales. He was Kylie. (laughs) Okay. So he was 27 years old and he was found dead and naked, draped across Tillicum's back. Despite the dozens of cameras at SeaWorld, this dude somehow snuck into Tillicum's pool. No one noticed him. I don't know. Now, the PR story is that he died of hypothermia after swimming with the whale all night long living out this like amazing dream of like he was so obsessed with whales he must have just you know done this and that's you know what SeaWorld told the world it's in July yes <laughs> now apparently none of the guards saw or heard anything that could have tipped them off that he was there now the pools are kept slightly cold because remember whales do like cold water though but essentially if he was fully clothed they think that it it could have kept him depending on how long he was in there So that is a point of contingency, yes. And here's another really crazy thing. A medical examiner report from the event said Tillicum bit off this man's genitals 
and he had bite marks all over his body. But again, he supposedly was perfectly fine and he died of hypothermia. He was also laying on top of the whale's body. Like, how is that even like possible for SeaWorld to say? His clothes were folded up on, I want to say it was the west side, but I can't remember which side of the pool, like also just like folded up there. Like, and I think he had the intentions of leaving this pool at some point. SeaWorld claims nothing that this had nothing to do with the whale. So it was a death that went unreported in a sense, and it had nothing to do with telecom and telecom is not aggressive. Okay. So keep in mind now, two people essentially have died at telecom's chompers. I was going to say things. Well, cause I was going to say, you can't say hands there. <laughs> I couldn't think of what, what <laughs> to telecom's dorsal fins here. It's not his fault. We're not blaming him. We love him. Yes, we do love telecom. This is a pro telecom podcast. Pro Telecom. Pro Telecom. That's a great merch idea. Pro Telecom? Yeah. I, I don't like the way I'm saying it, but legal, legal. <laughs> it's not needed. No one understands what I just said, but it's fine. <laughs> All right. July 31st, 2002. Orchid and another whale named Splash. See, these names are so easy to pronounce. I like the name Orchid. SeaWorld knows what they're doing with the name. Sealand, on the other hand, is on some dumb shit. Nuka 5, Nuka 6, Nuka 7. We have Nuka 343 reporting <laughs> to the main stage, please. Nuka 343, thank you. So Orchid and another whale named Splash attacked a trainer named Tamari. This suffer suffered... Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, this what? <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> this trainer ended up suffering a broken arm. Okay, no, 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 no. If you've seen the video... This is not a broken arm. Her mm-hmm. arm is shaped like the letter U and her bones look like they're rubber when her like, arm. Yeah, her arm's like flopping. So Orchid has never been recorded ever killing another person, but she is involved in 17 out of the 87 publicly recorded attacks on humans by SeaWorld, which is literally almost 20 percent of the attacks. Don't fuck with Orchid. Um, I like that name. Orchid? Yeah. With a K? Yeah. Instead of spelled like flower? Yeah. Okay. Okay, I was just wondering. I'm sorry. I <laughs> got really defensive. Ooh. I like it. November 15th, 2006, Orchid pulled senior trainer Brian Rokich to the bottom of the tank before obeying commands to let him go. Rokich suffers a torn ankle ligament. I forgot. I had something really interesting to say about the Tamari one. Let's... <laughs> Rewind. Tamari. Do you want to know how she survived this orchid and splash event? Yes. So she was in the area and she was, you know, getting flipped around by a damn whale with her fucking hand in its mouth. Which, by the way, I don't know how that just doesn't pulverize bones when they grab onto something. I feel like your bones would turn to dust. Their mouths are so big and scary. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so anyways, this whale was like throwing her about. And she was screaming and freaking out, right? Obviously, like, that was your first reaction. Mm -hmm. And the other trainers saw it and they were like, oh, fuck, what are we going to do? And do you want to know what the guy's initial, one of the other trainers, his reaction is? Mm. I'm going to let a third whale into into the pen. That's what his idea was. And so he goes and he opens up another door and lets a third whale in. And at first people were like, what the fuck are you doing? I can't remember which whale he let in, but it's the most dominant whale. So instantly this whale went in and was like, what the fuck are you doing? If there's food in this pool, Orchid, it's mine. 
So Orchid realized like, oh shit, big Bessie's in the pool. I got to get the (laughs) fuck up. Right. (laughs) So essentially Orchid let go and Tamari got to swim over and they like helped her get out. And that's when you see the video of her with her fucking rubber arm. Doesn't the other whale try to get her too? And they do swim after her. Yes. Yeah. But she she makes it out and she lives. And that's all. terrifying, though, having that big mammal. Coming you have at you like to that. feel it like, oh, it's like in a nightmare where you can't quite run, but you're still running. Yes. No, thank it you. It reminds me of one of the actually it's the very next one we're going to talk about. The video of this is terrifying. This is one that really just makes my stomach flip flop. November 29th, 2006, trainer Ken Peters, 33 years old, is attacked by Castica. Castica is a 5,000 pound female killer whale. Ken and Castica were performing their normal routine, which they've done a bajillion times, right? But then she decided she wanted to instead become aggressive. Ken was being taken to the bottom of the tank and thrashed around. When the whale finally let Ken come up for air, Ken was trying to calm down the whale. So he was like petting her and he's like, you know, like, it's okay, Casca. You didn't mean to. Like, mm-hmm. Casca, you did that trick. Great. You swam all the way to oh. the bottom. You came back up. He's trying so hard to calm her and it works. And she lets go of his foot. And as he starts to move his feet, she instantly clamps onto his other foot then instead and drags him back down all the way to the bottom of the pool. Now, these pools are so deep, though, for like the event pools that they're actually pressure levels. So humans aren't supposed to withstand that that fast. You know, you get the bends and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you don't know what I'm talking about, watch 47 meters down and you will understand. And it will scare the bejesus out of you from ever going in the water. It has Mandy Moore in it. And I don't like water anymore because this movie. (laughs) Now. Literally, what probably saved this man's life is he was a deep sea diver. That's what he did in his spare time for like shits and giggles. So he was doing his breathing techniques and he was really trying. He was trying to keep a level head and everything. And they think that this is maybe what just kept him from potentially just losing his shit and dying. So he stayed calm even while being thrashed about at the bottom of the fucking pool with this whale. And when he finally came back up again, they threw a net out into the uh, water, like one of the net linings, which is a sign to the whale. Like you stay on that side, we go on this side for feeding and other things. They throw this out and the whale kind of just subsides and lets go of Ken. Ken starts swimming. He makes it to the other side. And right when he gets past that netting, you see the whale turn around and notice him and is like charging him. So he makes it over the shallow end, but the whales can jump up on the shallow end, mind you, because that's where they do tricks where they sit on their belly and they like flop around and stuff. Ken makes it to that area and the whale is still charging him. Ken goes to stand up to run away. But his leg is just fucked up and his foot is fractured from being in this whale's mouth and he just collapses and he keeps trying to stand up and run and collapses. And you see other runners, other trainers just running to him to try to save his life because they realize if they don't, he's gone. And then the whale just gives up. Terrifying fine. Oh, <laughs> the whale just gives up. Yeah. If, if it didn't. All three of those trainers would be dead. He'll swim up. Um. But yes, that was a very scary one. And when you see the video, you just realize this man is not small. He's like 6'2 or something like that. He's a large man and he is not even half the size of Casca's fins. It's terrifying when you see this. And especially when you see how calm his demeanor is and stuff. This man knew what he was doing. 
which is a saying something because they again said it was potentially his fault. This man, him, him being him is the only reason he is alive. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Sorry, I spent a lot of time on that one, guys. That one just, you can see the videos and it's insane. Actually, most of these you can see the videos of, but that one you really can. December 24th, 2009, Alexis Martinez was an orca trainer at Loro Parque Orca Oceans in the Canary Island. This one is in the Blackfish documentary. It is in Spanish, but they put subtitles for you. He ended up being killed by a SeaWorld-owned orca named Keto. So he worked at a company that was owned by SeaWorld, but they were like, essentially, it sounds like renting SeaWorld's orcas for their events. But they knew that SeaWorld was shady and they all kind of said that they were like, we felt a little uncomfortable because we knew SeaWorld's history, but they still did it. The park initially characterized this death as an accident and claimed that the body showed no signs of violence. But then when the autopsy came out, they said that Martinez actually died due to grave injuries sustained by the orca attacked, including multiple compression fractures, tears to vital organs and bite marks of the animal on his body not drowning so tell me how he died not by an animal attack right hmm okay sketchy let's get to the next one okay february 24th 2010 very recent don branchu chow che cho all of us are wrong how do you do it don branchaw don branchaw all right we'll go with it february 24th 2010 Don Branshaw was killed while performing with Tilikum in Orlando, Florida. So we are going to dive deeper with Don. Get it? I said dive, dive deeper <laughs> in a C, so, in a C episode. You're so funny. Okay. So the reason I wanted to talk more about Don is because it is recent and it also is something a lot of people know, but maybe they don't know the full story. I mean, maybe you didn't know all that other stuff, but with Don it changed the way people looked at SeaWorld and it sparked the documentaries that started pushing the spotlight on SeaWorld and it made it more a public thing to talk about. To give you an example, no one knows really who killed Miracle, the documentary, which is about Sealand of the Pacific and Miracle. But everyone knows who Tilikum is because Blackfish and stuff. Right. So that's an example of why Dawn is so highly talked about. Dawn, when she was young, loved sports. She was a natural at volleyball, basketball, and softball. She also was a cheerleader, a dancer, a long-distance runner, and a big fan of golf. Throughout her life, she completed in the Walt Disney World Marathon, the San Diego Marathon, the Charlottesville Marathon, and the America Chicago Marathon. But none of this was as great as Dawn's true passion, which was being in the water. Dawn was born and raised in Cedar Lake, Indiana and she spent every moment she could in the lakes or neighborhood pools. When Dawn saw the Shamu show at SeaWorld in the Aurora, Ohio location in 1982 at the age of 13, she knew what she wanted to do with her life. And Dawn's family even says that like after the show, she chased down some of the trainers and she's like, how did you become a trainer? Like, that's my life goal. I need to do that. How do I become you? Like, tell me your secrets here. At age 13, whenever someone did ask Dawn what she wanted to be when she grew up, without any hesitation, she said, I want to work at SeaWorld and I want to train Shamu. For Dawn's 16th birthday, her family did one of those like 
adopt slash sponsor an animals and they did a whale in her name and sent the money in for it to like take care of the whale. No. Wholesome. Dawn was not just a super amazing sports athlete, though. She was also gorgeous and super nice. Everyone talked about her wholesome smile and heartwarming energy. She was student body president in high school, prom queen, and loved by literally everyone. In college, she graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree, majoring in psychology and minoring in biology. She rewarded herself by giving her, getting her scuba certification, and then she bought a hot pink scuba gear set. And she headed off to Hawaii and she studied marine life. What an icon. (laughs) Right. Her marine career actually started at Six Flags Amusement Park in New Jersey, though. She was performing with sea lions and dolphins before her dream came true in 1994. She ended up landing a job at SeaWorld in Orlando. She started in 1994 and she ended up doing sea lion shows for a while. And she kept kind of like gradually moving up. Then she did a few like dolphin shows and stuff. But by 1996, she ended up being moved to her dream and she ended up getting to work in the Shamu Stadium and all the hard work that she had been putting in for well over a decade was paying off. Also in 1996, she ended up marrying a man named Scott and he also worked at SeaWorld. He worked in the cafeteria. No, they did have kids together, by the way. Don't ask me the ages or names. I don't remember any of that. I just knew in the articles that talked about her that she was a mother and a wife. So. Dawn rose through the ranks, becoming a senior trainer before she ended up being considered the face of SeaWorld. That's what also stunned everyone so much about Dawn's death is because she was essentially the poster girl for SeaWorld and the top trainer. So if this could happen to her, it could happen to anyone. People were shocked when they found out it was Dawn. Like she knew what she was doing. So literally every person was like, Dawn, she's the senior trainer. Dawn, she knows what she's doing. Dawn. No, not Dawn. Like you have to be mistaken. It couldn't have been Dawn. Like every person. So the day that Dawn was killed, there were issues with the earlier performance in that day. And they think that this the other trainers assumed this could put extra pressure on Dawn. She had to put on a great performance, right? So initially, Dawn and Tillicum were doing great. They were hitting it off. They were on the same beat. Everything looked great. But at one point, things took a turn and the show started becoming really stressful. And onlookers might have noticed it, but they may have not noticed it. Most of this video of this Dawn incident, you can find online. It's also in the Blackfish documentary. So you can look up and understand what we're talking about, how the the vibes change, essentially. What ended up happening was Dawn, towards the end of the show, asked Tillicum to do a perimeter peck wave, which is where he swims around the edge of the tank and waves his pectoral flipper at the audience. After the first successful round around the tank, Dawn blew her whistle, which is called in a bridge, and it's a sign for Tillicum to stop the action and return back to her. It's like a cue that's like, good job, you did the right thing. Come to me, I'll give you food, I'll give you treats, you know. But Tillicum didn't hear the whistle. So in Tillicum's mind, he says, okay, I didn't fucking do the, the thing. I'm going to keep going. So he continued and did another lap around the tank, waving again. Now, the announcer of the event tried to play it off. And he was like, huh, he just, he loves waving to you guys so much. He has to do it a second time. He's just... Loves waving. Now, it's important to understand what Dawn's thinking and what Tillicum's thinking at this point, because at this point, Tillicum thinks, I not only did exactly what you asked, but I did it twice. I did the perfect peck wave around the pool two separate times. But in Dawn's mind, she's like, okay, Tillicum, you did the right move. And then you ignored me 
and proceeded to not listen to what I'm saying. So I'm I'm upset you didn't do it right. So you can already see they're no longer on the same page. So when he hears the whistle this time, so technically this is the second whistle for the abridge now. When he came back to Dawn, he did not receive fish, which is the sign that you did it right. He received what they call a three second neutral response, which is where they don't interact for three seconds and they just kind of stare at the animal and the animal stares at them. And it's how they let the animal know they didn't do the right thing and they don't get the reward. This obviously irritated Tillicum and annoyed him because he thought he did it right and he did it right twice. Why the hell is he getting rewarded? So the situation is becoming tense, right? To add into this event, Dawn was actually running out of food at this point in the event. And the whales know when it's near the end because the fish are smaller in the bucket. They're getting less at a time and they can hear the ice in the bucket instead of the fish clanking around. So as you watch the video, you can see the tensions rising. And it's not necessarily that Tillicum's not listening, but you can tell he's like not giving it his all. So around this time, Dawn's like, okay, maybe we should finish it up. So we leave on a good note because she is out of fish. So Dawn walked around the perimeter of the pool and Tillicum followed her in the water, which is normal. Dawn got into the shallow ledge area on the pool, which is where the trainers can stand in the water with the whales because the water only comes to like maybe like your kneecaps, kind of like just a little under. That's where the whales earlier I talked about it. They jump up, they lay on their stomachs for the shows, things like that. But what happened during this time was Dawn was going to do a relationship session which is a quiet time to regroup and calm down so that they can calm down and finish the show. Tillicum, however, once he got over to her, Dawn started to lay down like she should have, but Tillicum ended up grabbing onto Dawn's left forearm and started to drag her into the water. Once Dawn was submerged, he started doing barrel rolls and taking Dawn to the bottom of the pool. The medical report said the following about Dawn. Dawn had blunt force injuries to the hand and neck, including avulsion to the scalp and associated galial, mm-hmm. the subgalial hemorrhage, lacerations to the right ear, abrasions on the left cheek, fractures to the mandible with lacerations and hemorrhages of the oral mucosa, a fracture of the seventh c- cervical vertebrae with hemorrhaging of the per- pervertible musculature, epidural hemorrhage, softening of the underlying spinal core. That's one, that's one paragraph part. Dawn also had blunt force injuries to the torso, including abrasions to the up left, left upper back, fractures to the posterior aspects of the ninth through 11th ribs, fractures of the sternum at the level of the second rib insertion, liver lacerations, hypertonium up to 500 milliliters. Dawn also had blunt force injuries injuries <laughs> to the extremities, such as abrasions, lacerations, contusions of the extremities, complete avulsion of the left upper extremity with associated fractures of the proximal left humerus, dislocation of the left elbow, dislocation of the left knee. Dawn also had evidence of drowning with approximately four milliliters of fluid in the Sniffinal sinus. (laughs) You're really good at medical talk. What the hell did you just say? So for those of us that don't talk medical talk, Kylie, (laughs) I'll sum it up for you and, you know, explain it to me like I'm five terms here, Michael Scott. Okay. There's a lot more than this, but I'm going to sum up the really bad ones. 
she had a broken neck with bleeding through her spinal column between her skull and brain. She had a broken breastplate. She had broken bones throughout that area, including ribs. She had internal bleeding in her torso area and in her like vital organs of that area. Her arm was nearly ripped off at the shoulder and she had water in her lungs and her nasal cavities due to potentially drowning and there was bleeding in the brain. I say potentially drowning because there should have been a little bit more fluid if she did fully drown. So potentially the injuries killed her. Now, some people ask, why did they not notice she was dying? But supposedly because of the way she was scalped, as they say it, she wasn't bleeding from her injuries in the water. It was all internal. Mm-hmm. So this is, I, I'm not comparing them, but I'm just trying to explain why this was a big deal. In a sense, it was more horrific than Kelty's incident because this happened in front of a live show with a large audience, one of the largest audiences of the main show of that day at SeaWorld. SeaWorld tried to say what happened to the trainer was an accident because the trainer could have slipped and fell, causing this to com- be a complete accident with no faults. But you can't really lie like that when there's hundreds of witnesses. Literally. So especially when people have, I don't know, um, video cameras back then. It was 2010, guys. So iPhones. iPhones were a thing. iPhones were literally a thing. <laughs> Everyone was recording everything. So eyewitness reports started disputing these statements and SeaWorld was like, shit, I got to change my story again, obviously. SeaWorld changed the story and said that Tillicum only got a hold of Dawn because of her ponytail being in the way. Right. And it was her hair. So this is Dawn's fault now because Dawn has long hair. So since they changed the blame from no longer being Tillicum do this on purpose, Dawn, it's no fault of the whale. So again, this led SeaWorld to being like, well, the whale's not aggressive. The whale didn't mean to attack her. Her hair got in the way. Which I do want to disclaim. Dawn did have like longer hair, but her hair was the same length as multiple other trainers that worked there. And she always had medium to longer hair. But during this time, her hair was about two or three inches longer than her normal hair. Again, the same length as other trainers, though. And just to talk about how much we love Dawn, the only reason her hair was long because she was getting ready to donate it to Loxa Love. Of course. Of course she was, because she's a fucking angel. Literally. So this obviously led to a bunch of court hearings and things like that. During the court hearing against SeaWorld versus OSHA, Jeff Andrews, who's a SeaWorld expert witness, a.k.a. he's like a CEO of SeaWorld, mm-hmm. he said the following. Tillicum was not an aggressive whale. The only thing that led to this event was a mistake made by Miss Branshaw. So, again, like I said, they're correcting in their eyes, correcting who the blame goes on and shifting it so that they can't get in trouble. SeaWorld was trying their best to make Dawn look like the one at fault because she's not alive anymore and she couldn't even tell her side of the story. Like Ken Peters could have, like Tamara could have. Other people can tell their story. Dawn physically cannot. So them shifting this blame, especially when it comes to Tillicum of all the animals, they can do that. That's super disrespectful. So imagine her family. Her sister is such a good person also. Dawn's sister is. And she had to sit here through this. So they say that this was an isolated incident and that Tillicum has never had any aggression issues before. No, none. None whatsoever. I don't know about you, Kylie, but I've been doing this episode for a lengthy minute and I've heard some aggression with Tillicum, I feel like. Just slight, slight aggression. Just a little bit. 
since they didn't know what to do, they just put Tilikum in the tomb again. They put him in the module pretty much to live two thirds of the day. He would only come out to do final show bows, but he was not allowed to interact with any other trainer or animal at all. So he just stayed in this fucking dark mod. This is not Tilikum's fault. I'm not saying it's Dawn's fault, but it is not Tilikum's fault either. If you catch my drift here, it's SeaWorld's fault. An innocent animal. So after the incident, in May of 2012, the judge, Ken Welsh, issued a ruling. And it was in the same court date, the OSHA versus SeaWorld. And he said, during shows, SeaWorld trainers must now remain behind barriers separated from the orcas. SeaWorld tried to appeal this, though. Of course they did. (laughs) Why wouldn't they? So I, I didn't really know how to continue this into the rest of the episode, and I didn't want to end this here. But it's kind of also hard to go on from here because SeaWorld has for once in their lives done the right thing and they've kind of kept their mouths shut a little. They've been like a little bit quieter about things. They're just trying to not rock the boat, I guess, and like get in more trouble. But then I um, found something. (laughs) There was an informational post posted by SeaWorld on March 24th in 2016. And it supposedly is talking about their new guidelines that they want to instill in the company. It's titled The Future of SeaWorld. And Corey is going to put it here and you guys can just listen. The video is really cute. It's obviously just a bunch of fucking water animals. But you don't need to watch the video because it says everything. And there is subtitles on the screen. But I'll talk about those after the clip. Here it is. Some say free the whales. For them, nothing else is acceptable but nothing could be worse for the whales. Most of the orcas at SeaWorld were born here. Sending them into the wild wouldn't be noble. It could be fatal. When they freed Keiko, the killer whale of movie fame, the effort was a failure and he perished. But we also understand that times have changed. Today, people are concerned about the world's largest animals like never before. So, we too must change. That's why the orcas in our care will be the last generation at SeaWorld. There will be no more breeding. We're also phasing out orca theatrical shows. They'll continue to receive the highest standard of care available anywhere. And guests can come to see them simply being their majestic selves, inspiring the next generation of people to love them as you do. So you listen to that clip, but here is the thing. You know the part when he says, we are phasing out orca shows and they will be done. What it says on screen is, we are phasing out orca shows, they will be done by 2019. Just so you know, it's 2022 right now and they're still doing orca shows. Mm -hmm. I remember when this came out. I was so excited. They also say that they are done breeding. Right. They have obtained new whales to breed. They are just done breeding the ones they had at that time. Mm -hmm. So that's that. No. <laughs> um, so it was supposed to be a Dawn episode, but I it didn't make sense without talking about Dawn without talking about Tilikum. It didn't make sense to talk about Tilikum without talking about all of Tilikum and where Tilikum came from and everything. Yeah. So it just, it turned into a thing. But now because of this, I'm Thena. Thena wants to do a mini series <laughs> where I want to revisit it from time to time again. 
And I want to talk about the concept of animals versus human deaths and how they correlate. And things like that, because I want to discuss how like animals are treated in Hollywood on movie and TV sets, how they've been treated in the past on things like that. Circuses, like other things like that. Mm, Circuses. But since this is such a heavy subject because everyone loves animals, um, we're going to break this up. Like, I'm not going to do one again for another month or two, guys, because I physically can't handle it. I accidentally cried at work thinking about the whales too long. And then I had to talk about SeaWorld at work and I got emotional. I did want to let everyone know Tillicum ended up living his final days at SeaWorld Orlando. He stayed alive and he didn't die until 2017 where they still owned him and were just keeping him in that tomb all the time. Now, there are some things that I didn't know where to put in the story like I always have happened. So I just kind of wanted to talk about them now before we end. Now, one cool thing SeaWorld did, and this is this is the only time I will compliment SeaWorld. SeaWorld taught us about long and short range vocal communications between whales. That's really cool. But would you like to know how they taught us this? It's super sad. A whale mom had a whale baby and they ripped the whale baby away from the whale mom and transferred it to a different SeaWorld location. The mother whale normally was a very quiet whale and she would just swim around her tank all the time. When her baby got ripped away, they said she was literally shaking in her tank and swimming around rapidly trying to find her baby whale. And the first day or two, she was doing those short range vocals and she was looking all over. And then after a day or two of doing that, she started doing long range vocals to try and find her baby. And that's how they discovered that whales can do long range vocals. That is the saddest fucking story of something really cool. And it ruins the whole concept of why that's amazing. Like, I'm glad we know. But fuck you. But fuck (laughs) SeaWorld and every single thing about it. And Sealand. Another thing. This whole time you're listening, you're like, so why didn't they just release Tilikum? Like, Mm. why didn't they? After you heard all these stories, you're like, that would have been the solution, right? Well, Tilikum. It was his cum. You guys, I'm I'm not kidding right now. His sperm was worth so much money for them to breed with. But anyone who knows anything about breeding, like the first rule is you don't want to breed a potentially aggressive, problematic or hazardous creature to create new offspring because that will be in their DNA and such. So now they have all these Tilikum babies running, swimming around that could have, yeah, (laughs) running in the water (laughs) around that could have this aggressive behavior instilled in them because Tilikum is an aggressive creature. It's, it's, it's not his fault. It's not his fault, but we can't lie about it. Tilikum was aggressive and I think he potentially was human aggressive. But again, we don't know the circumstances of how he was caught, how he was ripped away, and then how we turned him into the monster he was. We officially created a villain. And then we wondered, why is he a bad guy? Right. Wow. That was heavy. That was as heavy as a whale. <laughs> that was heavy. So, whew. Glad it's over, but also, I just hope everyone understands. I want every, if there is only one episode that people ever listen to from us, I wish this would be the one because I want 
everyone to know SeaWorld yeah. for the face they really are. Yes. And then you can listen to Kurt Cobain, though. <laughs> After you like us and you like this episode, you can go listen to Kurt. Right. <laughs> Kylie, do you have a favorite episode of ours? Mm, this one is amazing. Thanks. But let me think. I had someone tell us their favorite episode. They said, oh, yeah. We had someone today say, there is one episode you guys outdid yourself better than any other episode. By the way, this is the most fucking comical thing, because I did not expect this answer. Do you even want to take one guess what they what it is? No, now I don't. I had no fucking clue that anyone even liked this episode. The Tinder Killer Short Stories. Yeah, no, I we got some good feedback. They on that said one. that our back and forth on that one was just so good. A lot of people like our short stories, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, I do like our short stories. I think it's just because it's like less. It's heavy when it's like murders yeah it's like, easy to break it up and we don't like focus too hard to where you get like drugged yeah. down and you get in this little hole of sad like we're about to make everyone so what's your episode um hmm. i don't know okay we'll revisit it you have to think about it we'll talk yeah. about it maybe next time the only thing I can think about right now is that I have been whale watching before in the wild and it's fucking beautiful. So if you want to see whales, please go whale watch. Go with people that actually know what they're fucking doing. And if you really want to see a cool one, there's one off of Orcas Island. It's my favorite place in the world. I know. She's, you guys think I bring up stuff a lot. This bitch in her Orcas <laughs> Island. Goddamn. Um, I don't know if it's still going. I went a while ago, but there was one um, whale watching experience called Spirit Whale Watching, and it was because the dog on the boat was named Spirit, and he would point at where they were going to come up. Shut up. That is the coolest thing I've ever heard in my whole fucking life. You want to know how incredible it was? So I didn't even care that someone was getting violently ill on this fucking <laughs> tour. I mean, I, I cared. Like, I didn't want to be around him, but... I was so happy to be with the whales. Like, okay. if you didn't listen to our phobia episode, I'm a mythophobic. We have a phobia need, episode in the yeah, archives. You, you need to go listen <laughs> to that to understand what I'm talking about. But seriously, that's a big deal for me. So go go whale watch because go it's, whale watching. it's incredible. And if you don't get a chance to whale watch, you can watch some of the same sources that we did for this. You can watch the documentary Blackfish. It's currently free on Pluto or Tubi. I did see. And Amazon. Um, she says it's on Amazon. I did not see it on Amazon. So that's it. If you want to believe Kylie, you know, take a chance. Um, it's really sad. It's be, very sad. Be ready to cry. There's the documentary Who Killed Miracle. I actually reference it throughout this episode a few times. There is a book called SeaWorld Absolved, an alternative theory about the death of SeaWorld by Corinne Sutherland. There is also a book, Beneath the Surface, Killer Whales, SeaWorld, and the Truth Beyond Blackfish by John Hargrove. Uh, I also did read another book and I started reading it and then I realized it was in support of SeaWorld. It did give me a lot of interesting information, but I refused to source it um, because I didn't want to use their information because I didn't want to take it out of context and have to explain that this person supported SeaWorld. Was okay with it. Yeah. But I did accidentally read a support SeaWorld book. Luckily, I didn't pay for it. Um, <laughs> no money to <laughs> you. <laughs> Speaking of books, though, 
recently, if you saw on the Instagram, Kylie and I went to the Oddities Expo in Chicago, and it was amazing. Also, Athena met a uh, author that I well, is it an author? If it's a true, if it's a true events, are they still called authors? I mean, I would think he's a documentarian. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So he originally started by making documentaries. There is a documentary person that I really like, and now he's turned into doing books. He has a lot of federal files and stuff because he used to work for the federal companies and for federal police and the FBI. So with that all being said, and he's like based near Chicago, so he was at the Chicago Expo. I got a book by him about one of my all time craziest bonkiest cases ever that just drives me insane it's carl panzram if you already know you know the the people that get it get it right now he wrote one of the best carl panzram books in the world and i got it and i got it signed by him so keep tuning in because y'all know i'm gonna bust out the wildest carl panzram two-parter it's going to have to be a two-pata. A two-pata. Because y'all know, little drunken nine-year-old stumbling down the road. I can't fit this into one episode. Burning down all these friggin' jails. But we're going to do it, guys. <laughs> On that note, thank you to him. I'm not even telling you guys who it is because we're going to, it's going to be a surprise when it, we all get to it. And I want you to read the book beforehand. I want to, I want to tell y'all how crazy it is. But let's get some other thank yous. Thank you, Damon Fakowski, for our always wonderful, awesome, amazing, incredible theme song. Artwork it's all right. <laughs> I'm kidding. We love it. Keep going, Kylie. You're a horrible person. I know. I just wanted to see if you would notice. After all of the work that we made this man do. Y'all, if anyone can <laughs> guess how many theme songs this man made us, you deserve a prize. Because maybe we'll maybe we'll post. That. It's a lot. We'll just make them all into one big song. It'll be That'd like be five funny. minute ringtone for y'all. That'd be kind of funny. Artwork. <laughs> Artwork. By Taylor with Lab Monkey Creative on Instagram. I'm going to see him next week. I'm so excited. Okay. Well, it's in the past for you guys listening. Kylie saw him like two weeks ago. A week and a half ago. I can't even. I can't we are actually math. ahead, so I have no idea yeah, when this I'm time so frame lost. is. <laughs> but as of right now, I will see him next week, and I'm excited. Editing by Corey with Corey.media.photography on Instagram. I kind of love him. I love him. Yeah, and he's he's pretty cool too. I, I, I love you. Although in the last one, he did threaten to delete us. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah, in the last episode, there was this one part where we were making fun of him, and he's like, all I have to do is press delete. That's not very nice. (laughs) That's not very toony of you. (laughs) (laughs) So we just wanted to say thank you guys so much. Also, just like big thank you to everyone that's left ratings and reviews on Spotify. We have 11 five star ratings, which that doesn't sound like a lot, but like uh, oh my god i mean is. even one five-star rating is great so thank you it really is because it means that you guys actually listen and take time okay because i don't know if anyone knows if you don't listen spotify doesn't allow you to rate the episode until you've listened to multiple episodes so it's not just like some random person can come in and rate you like like we can't pay to people be- to help us yeah so that like, was just you guys is real about us oh my god <laughs> And uh, after writing my own fucking episode, it takes so fucking long. So yeah, it does. it's it's a it's a lot of effort. So we feel like it's paying off, and we do appreciate it. And we like you guys. We love you. You guys are kind of cool, or whatever. I guess whatever. 
<laughs> okay, yeah. You're I don't so want to cool. like give you guys big heads. So I'm trying to like sound nonchalant, like brushing it off my shoulder. Like, <laughs> y'all are fucking cool and shit. Whatever. Now I'm really confused about the timeline. But like, don't forget to follow us on Instagram. <laughs> I don't even know. Are we even like, we're like a week away from the next final Friday, right? At this point, yeah. I think next, when you're listening right now, I think. Not Friday in like two or three days. I think it's next Friday. Because after yes. this, we have trabotomies and lapanning. Yes, I said that on purpose, <laughs> you guys. It's lobotomies and trapanning. But earlier today, with no hesitation, not even thinking I said anything wrong, I looked Kylie dead in the eyes and I said, so next week when we record trabotomies and lapanning, do you want to do blah, blah? And this bitch stared into my like- soul. <laughs> It took a while for you to realize what you did. Oh, yeah. It's just like, <laughs> curtney. I don't realize when I do that shit. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, remember to follow us if you like food, if you like seeing our beautiful faces. Dogs. We're, we're not that vain. Um, yes, dogs. Pointing. No, I was just... I, do your thing, bitch. Do your thing. <laughs> do your thing, honey. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> So don't forget to follow us at Cryptic Soup Pod, where our DMs are always open for suggestions. So slide on in. If you guys want to leave another Apple podcast or review or rating or even a Spotify rating, you know, we're always going to be super grateful because, again, we're not even expecting that. It's just so nice to get that little surprise. It makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Gets us the warm and fuzzies. Yeah. So remember to subscribe, follow, tune in and keep up with us because we're going to see you for the next episode next Tuesday. Stay tuned. Hey guys, we have a guest appearance tonight. Margie. Margie, come say hi. Come here. No, they won't hear you. This is Margie. Margie, say hi to the world. Hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Legal eagles. (laughs) I'm sorry. Did I even take a drink right then? (laughs) Legal eagles. It's like you gotta like do the glottal. Legal eagles. (laughs) Oh, now you're a cheese head? Okay. They're not called cheese heads. They're called big cheese, aren't they? Are you all legal eagle? Now you're a big cheese. Penny pencil. Big chase.